good morning, Sun Valley Church. Welcome to The Voice of the Valley. I'm Jeremy Pinch. And again, in this room with me, I have Pastor John Schubert and Pastor Rick Whitmer as we're continuing our look at the book of Deep Discipleship by J.T. English. And today we're going to be looking at this idea of sequence. But before we get started, before we get started at the book, Rick, I think you have a quote for us. Or are you wanting to save that for later? <laughs> oh, okay. So it's a thing. It, uh, yeah. We're going okay. for well, it. Well, I was just yeah. going to sprinkle it on there at some point. It was just a, a Stephen Furtick quote that my wife sent me. And the person who she found it from went to, to lengths to say that this has been verified. So if if this is not from Stephen Furtick, then uh, if he will call me personally, I'll apologize. But it seems to be genuinely from him. No, it just, uh, we're talking about deep discipleship, right? We're talking about knowing scripture, mm-hmm. knowing theology, and following those things where God intends for them to go, which is, I mean, therefore, it's about knowing God. Within the local church. That's Within a, the local I church. I think that's important to state along with that yes. quote you're about to say. Yeah, absolutely. Because discipleship can happen between you and your Bible at home, right? Sure. But we're pastors in this room talking about discipling our people. Right. And this quote gets at right at that. The church. Yes, the yeah. church. And, you know, what you're saying, it, I, I think... If you, if you are being discipled, you know, with you and your Bible at home, 100% of authentic discipleship in that vein is going to land you in, in the church. Yes. If it's spirit-led. If right? it's, you know, yeah, spirit-led. which is to say if it's true yes, discipleship, exactly. you're going to end up in a local church. Right. Exactly. Well, um, Furtick, and I don't know when he said this, but since this was posted today, I'll just, I'll come out with it. He says, we don't teach from books of the Bible because it gets in the way of evangelism. We don't offer different kinds of Bible studies because it gets in the way of evangelism. We don't teach doctrine because it gets in the way of evangelism. If you want to be fed God's word or have the Bible explained to you, then you are a fat, lazy Christian and you need to shut up and get to work, or you need to leave this church because we only do evangelism. I have a question. (laughs) My question is, uh, what are you evangelizing, or with what are you evangelizing, if you don't know doctrine? Exactly. If you don't know Jesus and Jesus' doctrine, right. what, with what are you evangelizing? Are you... I, I, I'd like you to tell me, Rick. Well, John, according to Stephen Furtick, <laughs> by asking that question, you're I'm a fat, fat lazy. lazy Christian. Well, I am fat and lazy, but I am a Christian too, so... <laughs> Back in the, when I first met you, you, t- you told me that you wanted your church to be full of fat dogs. Fat dogs, that's right. We right? do. Fat dogs. Not mm-hmm. fat, lazy dogs. Just fat dogs. Just fat dogs. Faithful, available, teachable, doctrines of grace embracing Saturated Christians. Christians. Which is to say, fat, lazy fat Christians who need to get out of Stephen Furtick's church. We're <laughs> 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 fat dogs. <laughs> uh, it, it, yeah. Well, what struck me about that is I read it right before we were going to do this podcast. That's when Jen sent it to me. Yeah. And this entire book that we're t- discussing is literally about doing the opposite of what he just said. And that's not to say don't do evangelism, because he definitely says you need to do evangelism. But Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about that, which yeah. is the, the rest of the insanity yeah. from that quote. Evangelism flows out of doctrine. Right. Mm-hmm. If you understand doctrine, you will be an evangelist. What is the Great Commission? Yeah, exactly. If it's not to teach all that Christ has commanded, 
And that includes believe these things mm-hmm. and then go and live the way that those beliefs lead you to live, which would be full conformity to the word of God. Teaching them all that I have commanded you. All the things. All the things. In a deep... You fat, lazy Christian. Discipleship kind of way. <laughs> that was so, an Ian Malcolm laugh right there. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> for, for fear of further digression... <laughs> for fear of further digression, Jeremy, Too what late. do you have there? You got something for us. You, yeah. got, you got your Bible Is open. Is it a Bible? You, you've got that scholarly look on your face. You're... Prep for something. This is my Hebrew and Greek Bible here, by the way. No, it's not. That's Come on, a lie. Dr. Malcolm. That's a lie. No, so looking at this this chapter that we are today, chapter five, uh, where he's looking at sequence and how how disciples grow. Uh, this passage came to mind from Hebrews chapter five, verses twelve uh, and thirteen, for or twelve through fourteen. Uh, so the, the author of Hebrews writes, he says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of, of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And so this chapter, chapter five, is, is um, discussing how we grow deeper disciples, how we get them from point A to point B. And really he, what he's discussing is sanctification. Um, so what are, some, what are some of the things that stood out to you, uh, you guys, as you made your way through chapter five? What, what, is, what is the first thing that came to mind for you, John? Well, it's not the first thing, but a thing that had impact on me uh, was the uh, weightiness of pastoral ministry. Mm. You know, we're the ones who are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We're the ones who are called to be the shepherds of the church, pastors, teachers of the church. Um, and, and here on page 143, English says this right after his a reference to Hebrews 5.12 that you just read, Jeremy, about you know, by now you should be teachers. He says, one of the great tragedies in discipleship is being an infant when you should be an adult, a student when you should be a teacher. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't want those kind of tragedies. We don't want, you know, 60-year-old infants in our church, Mm -hmm. right? We don't want that kind of thing. We don't want to look around and see someone who's been at our church for 15 to 20 years without having never grown spiritually, showing no sign of progress, that, that is disheartening just to think about. Mm-hmm. We don't want to do that. And so we want to, we want to be faithful, um, and we, which is one of the reasons we're reading this book as pastors and discussing it on this podcast is because we want to be faithful shepherds. Uh, we want to be good stewards of the things God has given us. Mm-hmm. And God has given Sun Valley Church uh, for the sake of his glory, and his glory comes from growing faithful disciples, committed, devoted disciples uh, who are looking more and more like Jesus every day and not someone who, not a group of people who have their ticket to heaven mm. and, and then find it comfortable to put it on cruise control for the rest of the Christian life. Yeah. That, that's not what we're wanting yeah. at all. Yeah. So 
to answer your question, yeah. this is what hit me yeah. in this chapter. Yeah. Yeah. The the very first couple pages of this chapter, he he talks about how salvation comes through God alone, right? Um, and then in sanctification, it's it's the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the people. But yet we still have a part in that, and he's he's directing it towards the church, right? How how can the church help in this sanctification process? Um, but I mean, really, how how does that play out? How can we actually help in in you know somebody's spiritual life being changed if it's the work of the Holy Spirit? What how do we play into that well i'll say this and then rick i want you to speak because i think you've been thinking about this too is is god uses means yeah. right god accomplishes his will and people the, the purpose of his will in our lives he does but he uses means every single time and the means he has revealed to use in the lives of his people is the church our pastors and teachers our fellow saints who challenge our you know, experiences of life, the sufferings of the saints. He, God uses means to get you from point A to point B, from infancy to adulthood. Uh, and in this conversation, you know, God uses people mm-hmm. like us. Mm-hmm. We are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We are to be involved in making everyone to be full of Christ, um, as Paul said to the Colossians. Mm-hmm. So, what struck me about the uh, the passage you read from Hebrews, which which he brought up, and I was looking at it here um, more closely than I was when you first read it, <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm reading from the the NASB, which is the precursor to the now world famous Legacy Standard Bible, which um, a few of our people are acquainted with and wondering when we're going to switch to. Um, But it's not based on the Texas Receptus, so I digress. Uh, He says in verse 13, Everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to a word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. This this right here, if if nothing else, shows you, I, I think that we have to put in the same basket deep doctrine and practical Christianity. Those who don't go deep into the oracles of God, right? The things that people oftentimes will take and go, yeah, I'm, I'm just not, uh, you know, I don't do doctrine. This we do is, evangelism It's just instead. not in my, yeah. Or, you know, the, it's just not in my wheelhouse. I just want to love Jesus, Rick. That's it. I don't, I don't want to know doctrine. Yeah, I don't get, I don't get into that stuff, right? And he's saying, well, then you're not living righteously, mm-hmm. right? Righteousness is a direct result of going deep, deeper into God. And there's, I don't think anybody is advocating going deep into doctrine um, for doctrine's sake. This isn't an academic strategy. It's not at all. It's not. That's not what this is. This is about knowing God. And and knowing God actually requires some thought. <laughs> so yeah. we're not saying you don't think, we're, we're, but we are saying this isn't an academic exercise only. This is far more than that. Mm-hmm. This is how people mature in Christ is they, they grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how. And Paul says it to the Colossians, which I referred to just a second ago, in chapter 1, verse 28 and 29, him, speaking of Christ, we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom 
that we may present everyone mature in Christ. How do you become mature in Christ? By being taught in all wisdom, mm-hmm. spiritual wisdom concerning Christ. Mm-hmm. And then he says, Paul says, for this I toil, I strive, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. This is, this is the standard of pastoral ministry. We strive with everything in us to get people conformed to the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. We do everything we possibly can. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I, I'm thinking about this idea of, uh, you know, I just want Jesus and not, not theology and doctrine, which is absurd. But, um, you know, you think about, you think about the disciples, you know, Jesus's most intimate times with his disciples was when he was teaching them. Right. Like thinking about the last, last supper with his disciples in the upper room. You know, the chapters 13 through 16 of John are him teaching his disciples and helping them grow. It wasn't like they were just sitting there looking at Jesus going, ooh, ah. Mm, I love academics. Yeah. He was he was helping them grow. <laughs> and in fact, when you think about the, the, the backhanded, <laughs> the backhanded, it, uh, compliment that the Pharisees were giving to Peter and John uh, behind their backs. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys are uneducated, but they took note they've been with Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're, they were amazed, it says. The mm-hmm. doctrine has never been about the academy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's been about knowing Christ. And there's a spiritual element here. And I think, you know, English hits on this for several pages. It's the Holy Spirit who... Yeah. grows deep disciples. Yeah. It, it Our sanctification, our growth in grace is as much a result of God's sovereign work in our lives as was our conversion from death to life. So, you know, our spiritual birth was as much due to our own choice yeah. as, you know, as was our physical birth. Now, it happened to us. Well, spiritual growth happens the same way. And he's saying, it, but that doesn't mean it doesn't take effort. Mm-hmm. No, we do work, and there's a difference between effort and um, merit. Mm-hmm. Right, was what one of those quotes was getting at. This isn't about earning anything. Correct. Effort is not earning. That's that's what it was. Effort is not earning. Right. Right. But effort's required. It's essential. Yeah. Yeah. One one thing that I that I also thought was uh, uh, important to say here this morning. That's that English says in this chapter is it doesn't end with acquiring knowledge or wisdom and information. It doesn't end in the brain. It starts in the brain through teaching, you know, and exhortation. um, But it, it continues beyond uh, receiving into the brain information to, he says on page 147, contribution from consumption to contribution. Yeah. So your discipleship doesn't end with your ability to win a trivia game in the Bible or a trivia game about doctrine or even being able to write a doctrinal statement. That could be an academic exercise, and there are academicians, what do they call them? Acama, academians that are able Macadamians. to... Macadamians. yeah, who are able to write doctrinal statements that don't know Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? So right. it's got to go beyond consumption, beyond mm-hmm. information, to ministry, to contribution. Mm-hmm. 
So our goal at Sun Valley Church is not just to fill your brain with information. That is a goal. We want you to have your brain saturated with God's Word, saturated with doctrine, saturated theology, saturated with Christ, so that you can minister to the people of God, minister to God's world, evangelistically even, to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're after, is whole discipleship, right? Partial discipleship would end with information. Whole discipleship ends the day we see Christ applying the information into our world that he has placed us, to the oikos around us. So you take the information you get on any doctrine, and every doctrine is applicable, every every doctrine is practical, and you apply it to daily life, to your life, to your children's life, to your neighbor's lives, all of the above. So, Rick, sorry, go ahead. You had oh, no, I was just thinking about how dangerous it is when doctrine ends in the brain, yeah. right? Because there's this twofold aspect to it that Peter hits on, uh, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Either one of those lacking is going to not only be partial discipleship, but hard-heartedness. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's... There's very fewer. There's very few ways that are quicker to produce hard-heartedness to the things of God, and actual sensitivity to the Spirit, than to just to take the riches of who God is as He's communicating Himself through His Word, and then not you know close the gate to the heart. Mm. And that's a choice we make, mm-hmm. right? That's a choice we will make if we're not careful, mm-hmm. because it's more convenient. Yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say, so thinking about thinking about what you guys are teaching, you know, John, you're going through the the Gospel of Mark, and Rick, you're going through creation and covenants. So how does that? How does the knowledge that we're receiving on Sunday mornings from those two different, the, you know, Sunday seminar and the Sunday sermon? How do we take that knowledge and apply that? I mean, what is what are practical things that you can take away from that? too? well, the apply? academic things are is that Jesus is superior, supreme. He's uh, above and beyond the weather even yeah. all right he's that that's an academic idea he's he's uh, greater than uh, disease he's greater than storms he's greater than than you know even uh, intellectual opposition he's greater than those things mm-hmm. that's something that you could just let rot in your brain mm-hmm. or you can apply it to your life so let's take the example of the the disciples in the boat on the sea uh, we could say, oh man, Jesus is powerful. He's more powerful than the, than the weather. That's really good to know. Or we could say, since Jesus is more powerful than the weather, he also can control the elements of my life. Now, I'm not saying he's going to control the weather in my life. He, he may do that, but he may not. Most likely won't. But he, he, is, he is the one to whom I run to in the storms of my life. The, the, the crisis that we all experience, that's how we take it from head to heart. And so when I come up against a, 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 a crazy storm in life with hurricane-level winds, I can rest, I can be at peace, knowing that my Savior is with me. Hmm. I, can, I can live um, in, in such a way that, that uh, I will experience the peace of God in the storm. And by demonstrating that peacefulness in the storm, actually have evangelistic opportunities with my neighbors and friends who are watching me in the storm. So in order to be evangelistic, be able to be successfully evangelistic, uh, uh, contra, furtic, 
uh, we have to know that Christ yeah. actually is in the storm yeah. and more powerful than the storm. Yeah. What am I going to tell my neighbor whose kid's got leukemia if I don't know that Christ is in the storm or if I don't care? It's like, <laughs> I have nothing to share with him. Walk over there and pat him on the back and say, be of good cheer. Yeah. Your kid might make it. No, that's not evangelism. So yeah. Yeah. That, that's how I would do it from the book of Mark. I mean, that's what the book of Mark is about. In fact, of all the gospels, the book of Mark is probably the most evangelistic. Mm -hmm. he, he gives example after example of Jesus conquering chaos. And if, we're, if we can't see the chaos around us in our day and age right now, then we're blind. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's how <laughs> And Mark... even then you'd have a hard time missing it. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you're blind. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I don't I mean, Rick speaking through about creation and covenants has obviously a lot of you know, things that could come on to the practical level. Yeah. But I want to just jumping off what John's saying. I mean, that what a plug. This is why I just have to plug here biblical counseling is we there's a reason we have a position paper on it on our website. C counseling deals with life, right? People going through real street level life issues go to counseling to deal with those things um, biblical counseling begins with theology and then it applies that at the street level life problem situations that people go through and the all, all of the theology that, that mark is dealing with about christ in the storms about his sovereignty over this and that his presence with his people all of those things are meant to have heart shaping life impacting sanctifying effects mm -hmm. so that whatever and, and biblical counseling knows there's a reason that um, counselors who are biblical counselors have to start with theology exams before they do counseling exams with case studies mm -hmm. it's because unless you've got that theology you've got nothing to offer besides any of the 400 other theories you know that are being peddled down the street mm -hmm. for how to solve life's problems yeah what did the what did the demoniac in mark 5 have to offer those in the Decapolis that Jesus told him to go talk to. Theology. <laughs> right. That's what. Doctrine. Mm -hmm. And he he didn't go to seminary. Mm -hmm. Or He's, psychotherapy. He, or psychotherapy. <laughs> he went to an afternoon session with Jesus. And Jesus showed him himself mm -hmm. to this man. Go into the Decapolis and tell them all that God has done for you. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Well, and okay, so take creation and covenants, right? So we've talked about geology. We've talked about radiometric dating in geology. We've talked about astronomy and the cosmos, um, a biblical model for the, the whole universe. Like, w But what difference does that make, to put it in Hillary Clinton's words? Um, what difference does it make? Well, how about this? I, I've got relatives who have talked to me about um, my faith, years ago within you know 10 11 12 years ago who i distinctly remember saying you know i would i would be more willing to um explore faith but you know science yeah. and and it's just it's it goes as if it was just a fact like gravity that somehow science means that what the bible teaches can't be true mm. well when we look at what the bible teaches about creation and then we in, and we understand the things we see around us in light of that starting with the assumption everybody starts with an assumption but starting with the assumption that god is true and he was there it actually makes more sense of the data yeah. than scientism does which is not to say science which is to say 
you know, the religion of, you know, that goes into evolutionary thinking and what gets just accepted as fact. So talk about an evangelistic impact. I guarantee you every single person knows somebody who won't take the Christian faith seriously because, you know, uh, Anthony Fauci and the science have said differently. Mm. (laughs) And it's just... I just want to note that we have sunk to a record low when we're (laughs) quoting Hillary Clinton. And, and Anthony, Anthony Fauci. Fauci. And Anthony Fauci. And Stephen Furtick, all in the same podcast. Wow. Yeah. And unfortunately, only <laughs> one of just, us has brought all three of this anymore. John is... He's literally he's, walking he's away. He's literally walking away from <laughs> See you, John. Drop the, drop the mic, John. Drop the mic on your way out. John Schubert! Woo! <laughs> I think he had to go disciple someone. Yeah, he, he actually is out of this room. That's, he, he that's not a joke. Is, isn't he going to disciple someone right now? I don't know. I don't know. Have lunch with him, or he's, I don't he's know. having lunch with somebody or something. One can only imagine. So, well, let's speculate. What What do you think he might be doing? Yeah, let's let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, talk. It's just is it, there. There. I don't know any aspect of Christian um, faith and theology that doesn't have very practical outworkings. Yeah. And by the way, um, I'm running a risk of dichotomizing between knowledge and practice. Mm. Sometimes the right application of biblical study in uh, certain passages is to correct beliefs. Mm-hmm. The belief itself is our world. It, it contributes to our worldview. Mm-hmm. And that has implications that we don't even, we haven't even scratched the surface of, mm-hmm. and we may, may never know. Mm-hmm. So the, the theology itself is an application, having right theology. Yeah. When we come to embrace the doctrines of grace and leave behind the poisonous waters of Arminianism, that's good application. Right. And it will change the way that you live. Right. Right. So that's, you know, that's, I think, at the heart of what this deep discipleship thing is about. Yeah. And I think we talked about this last week, Rick, that, you know, we, we, we never come to this point where we just arrive. And I think that's a, that's a danger is that we, you know, we have really good theology you know, we're, we're, we're practicing it out and then we can just hit this plateau. And he talks about this in, in this chapter of, you know, we just hit this plateau, like, like a runner, if he doesn't challenge himself to run more or, or somebody who's working out, if he doesn't do different workouts, you know, he'll plateau in his spiritual life and think that he's good, but we need to continue to push ourselves to keep growing and keep going. So, I mean, what, what does that look like when we, when we, have walked this path for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And, and we, you know, we think like we're, we're, we're on this straight and narrow, I guess. Um, but how can we grow deeper when we get to that point? Right. Oh, that was a question. That was kind of, yeah, there's a question mark at the end of it. Well, I really was tracking with where you're going. It was one of those questions that has a full thought yeah. in it. <laughs> and I was really looking forward to how you were fashioning that out. And then you asked, you, you know, you raised your tone of your voice at the end. And I was like, oh, shoot. He just asked me a question. What was it? You were listening to the... <laughs> <laughs> so just so we're aware, Rick was not paying attention to anything. I was in the moment. Was just... No, 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 no. No, I like what you're saying. Yeah, you don't want to plateau. Yeah, how do we... How do yeah. we... How do we well, like I do with plateau. my weight training, um, <laughs> I, you vary it. And I dropped something, but it wasn't the mic there. Well, since John has left, this has digressed. No, 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 it hasn't. Something John 
um, we'll talk about sometimes with his spiritual life, like his prayers, is he'll he'll change things up. He doesn't do the same Bible reading plan every year. Um, right now, I'm doing something a little different with mine because I mean, for as long as I can remember, I've you know read the Bible through um, one to two times a year, mm-hmm. and and that's great. But I realize there's a lot deeper I can go. I mean, I go, I, I go deep when I'm teaching a passage, but deeper in just passages I'm not going to teach for years, like uh, Exodus, mm-hmm. right? Parts of Exodus. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just, I'm just, and this is uh, kind of difficult for me to do and I'm struggling with it, but I'm not on, I'm just shooting to go in depth in taking my own notes, observations, and then doing some consulting study mm-hmm. with one to two, mostly one chapter a day of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to take, you know, two or so years to get through the Bible. But I'm finding that even at, but at that slower pace, there's so much more that's coming out for me mm-hmm. um, in that scripture because I'm lingering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's driving me nuts because it's not, I'm not getting through the Bible. Right. But I'm actually getting into the Bible in a, in a way I wouldn't right. otherwise. Yeah. That's, you know, that would be an idea of varying something. So when you feel like you're in a spiritual stalemate, um, maybe with your prayers, change it up. Sometimes I go through um, spurts where I'm prayer journaling a lot. Yeah. I just really need to process through things. And I'm praying for less, but um, I'm going deeper in my prayers. Right now, I personally, I honestly, I'm feeling a bit of a prayer famine. Um, it's not because I'm not praying, but it just, I feel like, I'm not going anywhere, and mm. and even in the time I'm setting aside, um, it's not as much as I would want, yeah. and it's really bo- it's bothering me, yeah. and so I, I need some variation there, um, do something different. Now I feel like I'm rambling, partly because um, on the tail, I'm uh, partway into a cold, and I didn't sleep last night yeah. very much at all. It's a few hours, so yeah. if I'm rambling, that might be the reason. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention. Take it away, Pastor Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's not COVID, by the way. I know this. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you you started with that quote from from Furtick, because I think that's that's where a lot of big Eva's at right now, Um, where it's just we're going to get away from the core essentials to the Christian faith, and we're just going to do evangelism because that's the only thing that matters is evangelism and as you guys were saying that um, unless we have those core essentials to our faith and unless we're growing in the grace and knowledge of the lord jesus christ our evangelism really is meaningless um because it's not leading us anywhere right yeah and everything's connected yeah like that's why going to those places that a lot of people don't really ever go it's going to make impact up here on the top so you know if there's uh, an earthquake deep under the ocean, you don't feel it. Yeah. But what you're going to see is the disruption of waters at the surface. There is so much surface level disruption in uh, Christianity all over the place. And it, it gets down to the foundations yeah. that have been left either assumed or untended. And so they're crumbling or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But unless we go back and remember, those are our foundations, and we as the church are the safeguards of it with God's help and grace, because he's the one who, who 
preserves the truth, but he entrusts it to the church, um, then all of a sudden, you know, we're facing things that, you know, at least in American church history, have never been faced before. Things are crazy. And the days ahead, when our kids are elders in their churches or or elders' wives or serving in ministry or whatever, just as committed churchgoers, um, good luck. You know, they need to be prepared. And our people need to be prepared. Um, And there are people in our church who have been here for 18 years who don't... There are basic things they don't know. And it's not because... yeah. You know, there are various reasons why, but we have to own it. Each of us individually has to own it. Mm -hmm. And we have to take inventory of where we are spiritually lazy um, and where we're lazy in applying truth to our lives. I have to do this in my life. And it, it, there are areas that I've been really struggling through lately of my life where I just, I'm really bothered Mm -hmm. that things really need to be shored up. And it's going to come down to uh, doing the hard work with God's help and knowing that we can shake off the false mindsets that we have trapped ourselves in of I can't do it or whatever yeah. and go, you know what? Go back to Genesis 1. We have a mandate. And wherever God gives a mandate, he gives the means. Yeah. So you know what? With his help, you actually can. Yeah. So let's do it. Yeah. Because that kind of faithfulness, and I've said this before, that kind of faithfulness won't happen accidentally. It will only be with intention. Right. So let's be intentional. And if not today, when? Otherwise, hey, let's do this podcast again in 10 years because we'll still, we'll still be, still be dealing with it. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I think it was Thomas Watson in in his book, The Godly Man's Picture, where he's, he's talking about, you know, men will go to great lengths to be well-trained in their trades or well-trained in their, um, you know, um, sports or everything else in this world that that the world has to offer but we will not go to great lengths to know god and and study god and then he says there's no going to heaven blindfolded and and this pertains to what we're discussing here is because we should know our trades we should know our jobs we should know x y and z that's that those are all good things but if we put God on the back burner. If we're not knowing God, if we're not seeking after Him, all this is just it's it's um it's really meaningless because we're putting we're putting our jobs and other things in in um as the priority than to what God has called us to do. Now, again, that doesn't mean that we just totally disregard our our studies, our our job, our X, Y, and Z. But we need to know who God is. Yeah. And I think we plateau when we don't do that. Right. And that gets back to, again, false dichotomy. And actually, J.T. English, maybe this is a good place to end, he, he talks about that at the end of this chapter. Yeah. He talks about marketplace discipleship. And it's not about making leaders in the marketplace. Leaders in the marketplace are already leading. Mm-hmm. But what they want is to know, how does my trade as the head of a masonry business or you know, the, you know, one of the partners in my accounting firm, whatever, fill in the blank, wherever you're working. Um, how does all of Christ in all of life translate to the garage, to the meeting with my tax client, to my clerking at Winco? Because guess what? It does. 
And no one else is going to know how to do that um, unless you're getting that kind of discipleship in where God has prepared that, you know, for you to get that, right. which is your local church. Right. And so English is challenging us to, to have those venues for discipling because there's absolutely nothing over which Jesus Christ doesn't reign as Lord. Right. And so that's the great adventure. Yeah. We can actually go there yeah. because he's, he's not only authorized it, he's commanded it. Yeah. And it doesn't come from not doing doctrine. Yeah. It comes from doing it well. Yeah. And this is this is fun stuff. We can actually have fun with this. Yeah. And it so. makes your job exhilarating too. It makes it yeah, instead it, of huh. just like the boring old nine to five thing, it actually makes your job exhilarating. Right. <laughs> yeah. God has you there for a specific purpose. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, Rick and John, uh, who is What are your thoughts, John? He disappeared on us he vanished um thank you for your insight wisdom and likewise i appreciate it. you're welcome and likewise thank you for yours (laughs) church we love you we look forward to being with you on sunday as pastor john continues his study through the book of mark and next week on the voice of the valley speaking of which yeah um, John and I were talking, and I know that we're, we're hitting with the hitting oh you with this right now, but oh, we're thinking we might have just hit the end of the book oh, as far as podcasting. We finished it apparently. Okay. So what's uh, what are we doing next week? Well, that's 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 news to me. So we're going to figure that out here in the next. We're doing deep discipleship, seven but weeks. just not from this book. <laughs> Church, have a great day. <laughs>